Hey guys, it's Erin Darling Teralva, and this week on Hot Pizza Ass, I got to sit down with my friend and actress Donna D'Erico. You guys love her and you know her from Baywatch and Baywatch Nights, and we get into what life is like when you're living in that red swimsuit, when the whole world and the media is constantly talking about your body. We also talk about how to navigate tricky situations in Hollywood with the opposite sex, and also why it's so important for women to support other women. We're getting into it all right now. Check it out. Hey guys, welcome to Hot Pizza Ass. I'm Erin Darling, and I'm here with the wonderful, talented, and beautiful Donna D'Erico. Donna, thank you so much Yay! for being on the show. I'm so happy to be on their show. I'm really excited. Yeah, this is going to be amazing. Awesome. I think you're obviously very, very beautiful and a wonderful actress, but what I'm struck about with you is that you're just so you're so kind. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I just remember going through this breakup situation mm-hmm. a while ago mm-hmm. and it was kind of one of those breakups that happened in pieces. Like every couple of days I would find something out that made oh, it worse. Oh, I know. And I remember one day I was like, Oh my gosh, this thing happened and I called you yeah. and you picked up the phone and you just said two words. Do you remember what they were? Uh no, I don't remember. They were tell me. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. I did. <laughs> and I was just like, wow, like, this is amazing. Like, the presence, the, like, I just felt, like, instantly calmed down. Like, yeah. oh, okay, she's going to listen to me. I'm going to yeah. tell her how I feel right now. <laughs> well, you know, which a lot of times that's all you need sometimes is somebody to listen and especially somebody who actually understands. Yeah. To listen. Thank you to for listen that. to the whole thing. You're welcome. You listened to mine too. I mean, That's we so commiserated true. together. Yep. So with some was... really cute kittens. <laughs> with really cute foster kittens. Yeah. Donna loves animals and mm-hmm. she's an animal activist and she was fostering these two adorable little kittens. And I'm allergic and I, <laughs> I was never going to have the opportunity to foster a cat, but I was able to bottle feed one. You bottle of you. fed like a pro. It, it that was really the good. scariest thing. I was so intimidated. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we bottle fed kittens while we. We talked about breakups. Yep. And our whole situation. That would be a good podcast. <laughs> feeding kittens and breakups. Man. So Donna, where were you in your life when the whole Baywatch thing happened? Okay. Like, where were you right before that? Right before, you know what? It was not, um, I, I had done Playboy. Mm-hmm. I, I did the centerfold for Playboy. That came out September, 1995. And then after that came out, I decided I was going to move to L.A. and give it a shot to to try to be an actress because I'd always wanted to be an actress my whole life. Since I was like in third grade, my first experience with acting was um, playing the Virgin Mary in the school nativity play at my Catholic school. Oh, so, my God. That's so cute. <laughs> and I'm, I was always such a painfully shy child. I could never look at people in the eye. I always had my eyes down and I didn't talk to anybody and I hunched my shoulders and I was just so shy. But when I was playing that part of the Virgin Mary on the stage, I just, when the audience would react to my lines and stuff and they would like clap or whatever they were, their reaction, it just like transformed me on stage. And it was this overwhelming feeling, you know, as an actress, you, when you're when you're performing in front of a live audience, you feed off that audience reaction and it just changes you. There's, it does something. In my, to my third grade self, I was like, this is what I want to do because suddenly I'm not a shy child anymore. I'm actually the Virgin Mary standing here. 
and everybody loves it. Everything I'm doing, everybody loves. And I just, it made me, it's kind of like that positive reinforcement to, that you give to a child. Mm -hmm. They'll do it more and more and more. Yeah. They'll do better and better and better. So I just, after that, I was like, okay, I want to be an actress because I get to be somebody other than my shy, you know, self-conscious self. And, um, but I was in Columbus, Georgia. So how far can you go with that? Right. With acting in Columbus, Georgia. How did you get opportunities to do Playboy mm. while being in Georgia? So I went to visit a friend and outside of Columbus, Georgia and um, in Las Vegas. And that was my first experience being outside of the South. And I, there was these bright lights and there's a big city and there's stuff going on and there's people that don't have a Southern accent. And, you know, it's just different. And I was like, wow, there's a whole world out here. And I didn't want to go back. So I ended up, fast forward, I was in a Albertsons grocery store and I would shop late at night when they were doing the restocking because I'm really shy and I don't like to encounter people because I... I don't know, I'm just painfully shy like that, or I was. And there was only one other shopper in there. And she was, it was this woman who was, had this empty grocery cart, and she was watching me as I was shopping. And I was like, okay, either she's a secret shopper and she thinks that I'm stealing, <laughs> or she's gay and she's checking me out. I don't know. It's got to be one of the two because she's staring at me the whole time and she's not clearly not shopping. So finally she started to approach me and I'm like, okay, here we go. And she came up and she's like, hi, I'm so-and-so and I'm a playboy playmate talent scout. Have in you ever considered store? in the grocery store? And she hands me her card and I'm like, oh, I'm not playboy material. I'm not pretty enough for that in my body. And she's like, no, you are. And, um, she said, you just, you know, I'm like, okay, fast forward. What, what's the pay? <laughs> I don't <laughs> have any money. <laughs> She's like, it's $20,000. And I'm like, oh, I'll do it. And then, um, you know, I ended up getting it. She's like, I'll submit you. But there's a lot of people that get submitted. And they have to choose you. And they ended up cho choosing me. And I um, did the, the magazine. So why did you think that you weren't pretty enough or oh, that your body wasn't? I never wasn't? thought it was pretty. Why? How? To this day. You are one of to the most day. stunning people I've ever seen. You're so nice. And you know what? I, I, I hear people tell me that a lot. And I, I mean, it does make me feel good, but I have never believed that about myself. Was there something that happened along the way? Did someone ever, did someone say something when you were younger or did you go through an awkward phase? Really, like what's behind I that? Pinpoint, I think it would take a lot of psychiatrists <laughs> and a lot of money <laughs> to figure that out, but no, I've never found myself attractive. Even when you got Baywatch and you're no. instantly oh part of this Baywatch no, cachet no, with all no. of these. I would watch myself on screen and I'd be like, okay, I'm never watching that again because ew, are you kidding? Ew. What? My legs are giant. And I, and plus, you know, the thing is, after I was on the show, I became this overnight celebrity and suddenly everybody mm -hmm. is asking me for my autograph. But what came with that was people picking you apart and the media being very cruel. And they can be very, very cruel, as you know. And um, they would start making fun of things about me and picking apart like I would do press and the person interviewing me, I would do, I did this one interview, I remember, in my Baywatch swimsuit. Mm -hmm. And because we were outdoors at some event and she was interviewing me and I was seating, s seated next to her 
and she's asking me the typical questions. And then she goes, so I noticed that you have some lines on your, on your legs. What are those? And At, on I'm camera? on camera. I'm on camera. Oh my God. And I'm like, I know she's talking about my stretch marks. I'd had a son by now. Okay. I have stretch marks. And so, and they're visible. They used to have to cover them up with makeup for Baywatch. Well, this wasn't on the set. This was just me with no body makeup on. So my stretch marks were visible. And I'm like, what, what are you, what lines are you talking about? And she, she points down to my stretch marks. And they're well, these right here. And I'm like, um, they're, they're stretch marks, but I was so mortified. She's like, oh, so you have stretch marks? And I was like, I was younger then, Aaron. And I'm like, if they had asked me that today, I would have gone off. Oh, yeah. But at the time, I was very, I was still very, you know, shy and just sort of subservient. And I would never have gone off on anybody. But it was just those kinds of things that I went home that day, I remember, and just cried. I laid on my bed and cried because I was like, I can't believe I've got these stretch marks and now it's on camera and they're pointing to my stretch marks. I'm so embarrassed and stuff. Oh my God. I now I'm like, everybody come look at my stretch marks. I don't care. But at the time it affected me, you know, and they would, and the media would, would talk about my legs. Why? Because I have really athletic legs. They're not, I will never have skinny legs. Oh I wasn't God. born like that. I have shorter, very athletic legs. And there's mm. nothing I can do about that. I have the long, lean model legs, and I never will. I wasn't born like that. And they would make fun of it. And so I would, it just created all this self-conscious stuff. If I put on five pounds, the media would talk about how, oh, Donna got fat. Donna's fat now. Look how fat Donna is. What I put kind on like of five or seven media pounds. is this? I'm was telling it like you. Tablets, or was it like? <laughs> no, it was all over. It was like, Really? Yeah. So oh, I'm no like, it, it creates this, you know, this self-image issue or it did for me it did for a lot of women on Baywatch it created really? a lot of eating disorders for I'm not going to name them but a lot of the main cast females got eating disorders because we were so scared of gaining weight oh, wow that must be horrible I mean to be under that type of micro microscope and on that platform yeah. you know on national tv and back then it was different like it there was wasn't different. there's a lot less tv we didn't have netflix yeah so it was kind of like all eyes on you right such a popular show I have to tell you though I feel like and I could be wrong but I feel like the atmosphere is different now I think people are more accepting I agree and and like being curvier and having a, an actual ass and like, you know, legs that are shapely and stuff is actually a good thing now. Back then it was something to be made fun of, but I think people are more accepting now. And they're like, you know, everybody accepts no matter what your weight is or your size or your, 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 you know, gender identity or any, nobody makes fun of you anymore. Maybe they do behind closed doors, but not, I don't, I'm not aware of that. I don't hang out with those kind of people, but I, in general, I feel like the media is more accepting now. Yeah. I think so it's, it's nice. We're moving in a direction that's yeah. more supportive. Yeah. But even when I was in college, like I had an eating disorder mm. when I was in college and I um, didn't know that. Yeah. Well, I haven't really talked about it too much, but it which is, ones can I ask? Yeah. I was bulimic. Okay. I would throw things up. And I also just, I kind of just in general at that time had a really dysfunctional relationship with food. I wouldn't oh. eat a lot, but I would also drink a lot. I would binge drink. Okay. But 
throughout the day, I wasn't eating enough calories. So it was just kind of like this really unhealthy cycle that I now look at and I'm like, wow, that was so dumb. I'm so glad I'm okay. But I... Even back then, even when I was in college, I remember like that was when Victoria Beckham was really yeah. hot in pop culture and she was like a size zero, yeah, teeny, tiny, tiny, tiny. And everyone loved her and wanted to look like her, you know? And I think even just a couple of years, That was you pre-Kardashian know, era. Right, exactly. Yeah. And I think that's changed so much of the zeitgeist and what's, I guess, acceptable or not I in agree. terms of And you know body. what? People knock the Kardashians, mm-hmm. but- They did make a very positive change, in my opinion, for the female body. Yeah. And what's acceptable. I agree with you. (laughs) And I don't watch the Kardashians. I never have. I don't know a whole lot about them. And a a lot of people don't like them. I don't know about any of that. All I know is that they changed the atmosphere for the better, in my opinion, for females. Yeah. And, And body, you know, positivity and stuff. Yeah. So... You know, having a big butt is good now. <laughs> I, it really is. But I, once upon a time, you didn't want any kind of butt. Yeah, I was going to say in the 90s. Remember Frankie like... B jeans? You're too no, young for that. What is that? Oh, they were the best. They were these hip hugger jeans that I'm telling you, they barely covered your private parts. <laughs> <laughs> they were so low. But like you couldn't have a big butt for those. You had to have literally no ass. Yeah. I There were certain jeans I couldn't wear either. Like Joe's jeans, I can't oh, fit into. Really? Yeah. Today? Just, yeah. They just could never. Because here's the thing, like because I also am kind of athletic in yeah. like this lower half of my body. I have a butt. I have thighs. Yeah. And so sometimes it's really hard to shop for my body type when it comes to pants. Yeah. Because I'm kind of in between like a six and eight or a ten. Okay. That's a pretty big range. Like yeah, I could yeah, be yeah, any yeah. of these sizes. You have to try on. There's yeah. no buying it off the rack. And I always tell people like if I'm doing a shoot or I'm filming something mm-hmm. and a stylist wants my sizes, I'm always like my measurements are more accurate. Yeah. You know, like I could be within this range of sizes. But to be honest with you, I kind of have a small waist and a huge butt and thighs. So finding pants might be difficult. <laughs> and I always try to tell them that because I've been on shoots before where they're like, well, you look like you're a size six. And I cannot fit into a size six. They could just and alter them. They could tailor them. Yeah, they can tailor Cinch them if they the- have time. Have you ever been a day <laughs> no, of and yeah, they're yeah, like, yeah. why can't you fit into this? And you feel You awful. said your size was a six. You're like sometimes, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> when you got Baywatch, did they, um, were they monitoring things like that with your body or your size? Yeah, you know were what? They, they, there was in the, the con- in everybody's contract except mine, weirdly. There was a clause that you couldn't gain more than five pounds. Really? You weren't allowed to gain weight. Females, only the girls. So it's almost like being in like a dance company or something. Huh? I guess. I didn't have that clause, but, um, and there was a point where I actually did gain like, I don't know, I gained five or seven pounds and I'm not tall. I'm five, four. So five or seven pounds shows on me and it all goes to my legs and my butt immediately. And they noticed and they called me in and they were going to let me go. Really? They were going to let me go because now I was fat. Oh and God. I heard that they were going to be calling me in like in a week. So I starved myself and lost the seven pounds. And I walked in the meeting looking amazing and they ended up not firing me. Yeah. That's, <gasps> that would be really uh-huh. 
shitty yeah. to get fired for something like that for that has weight. nothing to do with your yeah. performance or you know you're but showing you up on stand time there. You're exactly doing your job. and I was always early uh, my whole thing in life is I'm always early to everything minimum of 15 minutes early but like for Baywatch I was always on set 45 minutes early wow I just always wanted to be early because I just it meant a lot to me was Baywatch your first like acting job Baywatch Nights was my first series regular job okay. I've had commercials and stuff and like doing married with children mm-hmm. and unhappily ever after and high tide and like all those kind of shows that all the playboy playmates ended up doing mm-hmm. I did all those and I did like a Tostitos commercial with Chris Elliott mm-hmm. you're too young to know this but like he used to do this string of Tostitos commercials where he would say really and somebody would say no not really um it was just this really not really string of it was they were dumb but funny <laughs> <laughs> I did one of those and then I got Baywatch Nights and um that's amazing. Yeah. So that was my first series regular job. And it was... And this all... What period of time did this all go down? Like from doing the commercials to getting your first series regular oh, job? Oh, within uh, two months. Are you serious? Girl. Within two months. So I moved to LA <laughs> after... This is insane! <laughs> I moved to LA after my, my issue with Playboy came out in September 95. Oh my God. And then by December of that year, I was on Baywatch Nights. And I had done all those shows and stuff. So how did that make you feel? Like well, most people don't have a career that materializes you, that quickly. Oh my gosh. I was just on cloud nine. I was yeah. like, oh my gosh. And let me tell you something. Even though I got the job for Baywatch Nights, I couldn't act my way out of a box. I sucked so bad. I've never seen oh it. Oh my gosh. I was awful. Wait, did you <gasps> think you were awful or did someone <gasps> say no, you were awful? I was awful. Like you knew it. Oh, I know I was awful. So I took (laughs) acting lessons and and I I studied really hard and um, I studied more after Baywatch. Post Baywatch, I took Shakespeare and stuff like that. So I actually can act now. But while I was on the show, oh, I was just, you know, but the material didn't really call for it either. So uh, I don't know. But when I was sure you were fine, I was I was (laughs) passable for Baywatch nights. Clearly they heard me. And then they said that they were going to roll my same character over onto the main show of Baywatch. (gasps) All you have to do is pass a swim test. Easy. Okay. I can't swim. <laughs> Wait, so what was the swim test? It was just basic stuff. Like, can you do a breaststroke and a backstroke and a... Basically, and can you tread water? And can you swim underwater? And can you, you know, can you can you do the uh, rotary breathing? And I couldn't do any... I can't even tread water. So I said, oh, great. Yeah, no, I can pass that easy because <laughs> I wanted to be on Baywatch. <laughs> so, so they gave me the swim test with their, with their official Baywatch swim instructor. And he was like, uh, yeah, no, get out of the pool. You can't swim. <laughs> really? They couldn't work with you on that? Uh, like- so they said, all right, listen, we're going to put you in swim classes. Mm-hmm. And you're going to take private swim lessons with our official Baywatch swim instructor Every morning at 5 a.m., Monday through Friday, in the Pacific Palisades YMCA outdoor unheated pool. Oh, my God. For three months. What? Five days a week at 5 a.m. And as you know, 5 a.m. in Malibu is cold, especially in January. Mm -hmm. So I'm taking these swim lessons and I start out with the little kickboard like a kid because I can't tread water. And um, I took another swim test three months after doing the five days a week, 5 a.m. thing, and I still failed. 
three months after? Oh my gosh. So he worked with me more, another two months of that. And I finally squeaked by with just barely passing. And they said, okay, you passed enough. We'll put you on the show. So the first water rescue scene that they put me in was almost all we, all, all, also my last because I almost drowned. Wow. Doing the rescue scene of me rescuing a child. I almost drowned in the surf. So I had no idea. Here I am just assuming that on Baywatch, all of this stuff is super fakey. Staged. Yeah, it is fake. Right. Yeah. I didn't know that like your level of competency with swimming and water activities had to be that intense. Well, I mean, you had to be able to swim and swimming in a pool is easier than swimming in the ocean when there's waves. I seriously almost drowned and I wasn't even over my head in water. Oh my God. (laughs) It's like they would yell cut. safety hazard. (laughs) They yell cut and you stand up (laughs) and the water's at right at your chest level. So... Yeah, that's incredible. <laughs> and they yell, roll, and you hunch down. You pretend like you're swimming in deep water. So. Were you scared ever? Yeah, I was because I'm scared. Of, I have a deep fear of water. And of why? Um, I don't know why. But like they, they one time did, did this one scene with me out at sea, not in the surf, out at sea. And I was supposed to do surface dives and pretend I was going down to rescue somebody. And it's pitch black down there when you're out at sea and you go under the water. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's no mask. There's any nothing like that that I'm wearing. There's no, you know, goggles or anything because I'm a lifeguard, so playing a lifeguard. And I'm just in a swimsuit with my rescue can. Mm-hmm. So I did a, a several surface dives. And then on the third one, and they had, they had water rescue just off camera because um, they knew I couldn't swim. And um, so I did the third surface dive and they said you have to – count to 10 under there and then come back up while I'm down there. And I'm like, I'm waving my hands up to stay down. Something brushed up against my leg way under the water. And I freaked out. There was something that rubbed all the way up against my leg in the pitch black water. And I came up and I was like, help, help, help. Oh my god! I was like, I'm done with this scene. I can't do it. Something just brushed up against my leg. I think it was a shark. That's horrifying. <laughs> so I never did it again. So the, and they were filming. They're not filming underwater, so no one saw it. No, it was only on the surface. They were filming. I'd be horrified. Yeah, I know. I would feel better if they were filming underwater. I'm like, at least someone else is down here and can see what the hell that was. But <laughs> oh my gosh, it wasn't a little fish either. This was something sizable. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'm kind of sometimes afraid of the ocean too. Yeah, it's scary. Yeah, it's one of my favorite things though. I love swimming and I love the ocean, especially when the water's warm. But there are times, I almost stepped on a a stingray. Oh, I was in Costa Rica and I was diving with this group of people that ran like an ecological preservation society. So they're very familiar with this kind of stuff and they're there a lot. And for me, I... I'm kind of oblivious to certain things like that. And they told me, oh my God, you almost stepped on the stingray. It was right there. And we didn't want to tell you because we didn't want you to freak out or anything. But yeah, like you were just but like- But you almost died. You but know, anyway, half you're good now. Away. And wow. I was like, that's horrifying. Oh my gosh. And so then I got scared for the rest of the time I was there because wow. I realized how much I don't know these things. I don't know what to look for. It could- I could easily just be like prancing along on the beach and all of a sudden be in some sort of like perilous situation. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So I can't imagine having wow. to do that like in pitch black on camera and they're filming too. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. That's really stressful. Mm-hmm. But good for you. <laughs> 
How long did you do Baywatch for? I was on for two seasons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I left because the show sold to, it turned into Baywatch Hawaii. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to move to Hawaii. And plus the cast number exploded. So I was yeah. like, oh, well, I'm going to go from B storyline to C or D or E storyline. And no thanks. I don't want to. Yeah. So I was like, I had a five-year contract and I asked out of my contract after two years when wow. they sold it. And um, and Hasselhoff said, okay, mm-hmm. you know, no problem. I understand. So then what happened after the red swimsuit? Then I started starring on, you know, doing guest starring spots and stuff, but I was married at the time. Mm-hmm. And around that time, my ex uh, started to wanted to tour again. Mm-hmm. And there were, um, you know, four and then another one came along, five small children and you know i'm from the south and i don't believe in live in nanny situations I, you raise your own kids so i was like the resident mom for five kids so i just put my career on the back burner so that he could tour and um was a mom yeah and then when did you get the itch to go back to acting um it was it was when um I think it was 2006 I got offered this role in this uh, ensemble as an, a part of an ensemble cast independent film that was an unscripted dialogue film which I'd never done unscripted unscripted dialogue, dialogue. so it was sort of like a completely a improvised scri- total improvised dialogue and it was it was an ensemble cast that was Colin Fiore Jennifer Tilly Andy McDowell um, people like that uh, like high caliber actors mm-hmm. and I was like I'm not worthy. I've never done this. And I'm going to be acting out with, with Andy McDowell and Jennifer Tilly and Colin Fiore and Elizabeth McGovern and, you know, Amanda Plummer and Rupert Graves, all these people. I'm like, are you kidding me? So I was really intimidated at first. But when you're acting with great actors, they make you look good. Yeah. And I learned. It was a learning process for me. I ended up doing three of those improvised dialogue films with the same director producer with that same ensemble cast. She would sort of like Woody Allen reuses cast. She reused the same cast in totally different films. So I got to work with them and I, I really enjoyed the process of unscripted dialogue after a while. What were they called? Um, The first one was called intervention. Mm -hmm. And the second one was called, um, it used to be called Art in Las Vegas, but I'm inconceivable. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm forgetting the third one's name. Uh, <laughs> oh, it was, um, I don't remember right now. All right. Yeah, but um, but they were fun. And and I made great friends with the cast. Michael Eklund was in two of them. He, um, he's a Canadian actor who's one of my very best friends. We're my very, very closest friends. The nicest, most genuine guy ever. I just love him to death. And we talk pretty much every day. And wow. I've known him for a long, probably 13 years. So what was it like going back in front of the camera after taking that break? Was that why well, you kind of felt... Well, it was scary felt, at first. Yeah. Um, but because she had this, she had us come in and do this two-week process beforehand where we would be in character the whole time. Um, and we, we created our own character ourselves. We even came up with our own character's name. Mm-hmm. And um, we would... It was just this, it, it kind of was almost based on, um, her process was, uh, was based a lot on like when you go into a rehab 
And they have this family program where you have to write out these lists of, you know, things about yourself. And it was sort of loosely based on that process. And mm -hmm. it just helped us develop our characters. That sounds so, fun. Mm -hmm. It was great. Yeah, especially the two-week process before, mm -hmm. because I feel like that kind of takes a little bit of the pressure off. You well, know? and plus you get creative control, right? which as an actor, you never get mm -hmm. creative control. You get to make decisions as an actor for yourself, but not that level of creative control. It was really cool. Yeah. So very rewarding experience. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. So do you ever get insecure about this kind of stuff? Do you get insecure about acting? And Not about acting. I'm insecure mm -hmm. about myself and my personal life. But once I'm like, when I'm acting, I, I'm totally very confident because I, I, I'm confident about my acting ability. Mm -hmm. But um, no, my self-confidence is lower in real life than it so, is on set. So your inner shy girl doesn't <laughs> yeah. ever come uh, no, out? No, not, 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 not for acting. How did you get over that? Has it just never been there? It's just kind of like shy in personal life, but on stage and in front of a camera. It's in it personal. Just kinda... Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I'm on camera, it's a totally different person. I'm mm -hmm. totally different. But um, yeah, in my personal life, it's I'm always battling that inner little shy girl. Yeah. Just so self-conscious because I feel like people, when they're looking at me, I feel like they're looking at my flaws and my weird like my eyes aren't quite the same or like, you know, this is, I don't know, they're looking at this or looking at that. I'm like, they're looking at my round fat face and they're thinking they're judging me. And it's, you know, it's just an issue. Isn't it weird how we always put this story behind what we think other people think when they see us, but it's never what they actually see. Like, why do we do that? I don't know, <laughs> but I'm like, well, I, I do it for sure because I'm like, I'm so... I'm self-conscious. I'm still am. I'm, I'm I'm not the little shy girl anymore, really. But um, yeah, I, I've I've got a lot of, I guess not insecurities, but I'm just self-conscious about a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. Same. Yeah, I think we all are. Yeah, yeah. And especially as I'm getting older, I'm like I'm seeing little changes, and I'm like, ew, what's that? I want to go get that fixed. <laughs> really? Yeah. How do you feel? Do you feel like Hollywood is kind of ageist? Like, I feel like for I women think so. acting, just the the availability of roles that are good are so few. It's getting better now. It's now getting that people are cognizant now. of it. Yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, it could it could improve, but it's I I'm not going to complain about the changes that I've seen. I think mm -hmm. it's getting better. Yeah. Um. It'll never be to the level where women are equal to men in that area. I just I don't know. see it happening. But but, before I, I came, but I'm happy with the improvements I'm seeing. Yeah, before I came over here, I was thinking about how I was just thinking in my mind, like men, men lead, like male leads, you know, in 40s and 50s, and how many of them that there are that are wildly popular and successful. Mm -hmm. And I would try to think of the equivalent of female leads in their 40s and 50s. And I could probably name like five. Five, like, right? You know, you know, and the thing is, like, I okay, recently, um, I've been posting. I, I did this photo shoot recently that was a racier photo shoot, and I've been posting some pictures mm -hmm. from the photo shoot on my Instagram. I've caught a lot of flack, a lot of flack, really, not from men, but from women because they don't like it. They don't like. They don't like those pictures. So they don't are like they me posting them? posting comments or messaging you what's they the post a lot of they post some comments uh some of them do some of them just unfollow 
And I lost like 2,000 female followers off of my Instagram. And some have commented and said, you know, that's it. I I can't believe that you're exploiting yourself like this. Bye. Or I'm over it. Or unfollowed. Or stuff like that. And I'm like, well, okay. I mean, the thing is, I can exploit myself if I want to. Nobody's exploiting me. Mm-hmm. I, I know what sells and I actually am proud of the way that I look. I'm happy with my body and the way mm-hmm. that I look right now. And why not? Because when I'm 80 and I look back and I'm like, wow, why didn't I like take some really hot pictures when I looked so hot, <laughs> you know, and like let people see how, how great I looked right. back then. Yeah. Because now I'm 80 and it's too late. Yeah. I'm like, you know what? I feel like I look really good and... I'm going to take these pictures and I'm going to post them. I had so <laughs> a very similar experience when I posted the picture with a slice pizza. of pizza on my butt. Yeah. Tell and, me. Well, I lost at least 100 followers, but I have way less followers than you. But that's significant. That's a significant amount of followers. Right. So and were I, they women? Um, I think it was both. Really? I'm surprised that you lost male followers. Yeah. I couldn't tell exactly who was unfollowing me because mm-hmm. I don't have an app to track that or anything like that. But I did lose at least 100 the first day. And the then first I first day? Yeah. Then I stopped looking at the numbers. And then I started looking at some of the comments and I deleted the ones that I thought were bad and had to block a few people. But to be honest, like I felt, I felt pretty judged for it. And I, it made me feel shitty because... I realized that no one's reading the caption and the caption was saying that, you know, I do what I want with my body. I'm proud of it. And what I posted isn't a professional picture. It's a picture that the guy I was dating at the time just took and we thought it was hilarious. And I've seen the picture. I think it's funny. (laughs) Oh, thank you. I like it. And And you look hot. Hot ass. Thanks, girl. And like with the struggle I've been through with my body and hating it and feeling weird about it and feeling uncomfortable and judging myself Mm -hmm. in the mirror my whole life and having eating disorders... I had that picture for at least like a month before I had the balls to post it. And then I archived it three times. Are you kidding? Yeah. Because I was so scared of being judged and I didn't want to read the comments. And I was, yeah. And then I had family members that said something to my parents like, oh, we just had to unfollow Aaron on Instagram and, you know, just too much. And I was like, wow, Wow. that hurts because I didn't. It's not that crazy of a picture in my opinion, but what I was talking about and what I'm doing by posting that is accepting myself. It took me three decades to post that picture. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And good for you for doing the same thing. Yeah. Like you're a beautiful person and you have a great body and you work hard for it. Who cares if you post a sexy picture? That's your choice. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of flack that I've gotten also has come from the Christian community because I am a devout Catholic. Mm-hmm. I'm a practicing Catholic. And I've been very outspoken about my Catholicism and my faith and my return to my faith. And I when I was out started being outspoken about that, I got a lot of faithful type people who started following me. Those are a lot of the ones that have unfollowed me recently because they're commenting and saying that I thought that you were, uh, you know, that you had returned to your faith. What? And now I'm seeing these pictures. So I respond, usually I don't respond to things like that, mm-hmm. but I responded and I said, I don't see why 
I why I can't have faith and be a faithful person and be sexy at the same time. I don't understand. I mean, I feel like you're trying to to put me in a box, right. in your box mm-hmm. that defines what being faithful is. Mm-hmm. And I I don't like being put in a box. I can be faithful and have my faith and be a practicing Catholic and be sexy and take sexy pictures and post them too if I want. I don't see why, how those two conflict, in my opinion. Yeah. I was going to ask you about that, how you feel about that. I don't see why you can't be sexy and be a religious person too. Yeah. I like, mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to become a nun. Mm-hmm. I just, I am a Catholic and I happen to be proud of how I look. Mm-hmm. And I feel sexy. I can feel sexy if I want to and have faith too. Yeah. I also think it's kind of weird how it's like, do p- if just because you make a change in your life or you, you know, want to make a priority out of something like spirituality or faith, does that mean that you have to pretend like everything else you've done is just gone? Yeah. That you right. did Playboy or that you were on right, Baywatch? Right. It's like, right. no, like this I is used still to be ashamed that identity. I did Playboy and I never used to talk about it. But now I'm like, you know, it's something I did. And mm-hmm. it, it, if I hadn't done that, I wouldn't have been on Baywatch. I wouldn't right. have gotten married. I wouldn't have my daughter. I don't know what other changes would have happened but uh, or things that wouldn't have happened, but I'm glad that I did it now because all of my choices led me to be who I am today, sitting here with the life that I have. Mm-hmm. And so if I had changed anything, that would have had a ripple effect to my future. Right. And I don't know where I, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you on your podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I would have been working in a movie theater somewhere. So I don't know. I don't know what I would have been doing. At the time when you decided to do Playboy, were you ever afraid of being judged? That's kind of a big deal. I was you know? being. I was afraid of being judged by my, by my friends and family back home because I grew up in the Bible Belt, mm-hmm. and that's a giant no no to pose for Playboy. So I. How did was, you get the balls to do it? Because twenty thousand dollars. <laughs> money okay i was broke i was so poor i mean so poor and i was like living on ramen and stuff so twenty thousand dollars especially in that time mm-hmm. was a lot of money yeah it's a lot of money that could right. go a long way so i was like sign me up i i'm like you know and then i obviously i told my parents and i'm like i told my mom and i said mom you tell dad i can't tell him you know and they were actually okay. They were supportive. They were? I was stunned. Wow. But I was like, I never want to see any of the people I went to school with ever again because I went to this Catholic school and I'm like, oh my gosh, everybody's going to see me naked. But <laughs> I never want to see what I look like naked. But, oh um, but the pictures turned out beautiful. Yeah. And, you know, my body looked perfect and amazing because they make you look amazing. Mm-hmm. And that um, lighting. Oh, the lighting and the airbrushing and, and whatever and they did. Oh, wow. Yeah. That oh you looked gosh. so perfect. So I was like, hell yeah. You know what? They can see these pictures. I look amazing. I look hot. I look hot. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they see these pictures. But yeah. So. I just lived with it. So your community, well, your direct community was supportive of it. They were. But then when I went back not that long after that to my hometown, I wanted to go visit my old high school, my old Catholic high school that I went to. Mm-hmm. And I called the, the the principal there. And I said, hey, I'm Donna DiErico. I'm in town. I used to go to the school. I went to high school here. And I happened to be in town. I'd love to come and just see my old school, see my old locker, you know. And the principal said, I know exactly who you are. Oh, you did Playboy. 
Yikes. You're not welcome anywhere on this campus ever. Do not show up here. We have children on the premises. I'm like, are you really? He was like, you are not welcome here. So fast forward like a year, a little over a year ago, when I I went back to visit my hometown with my my boyfriend at the time, and there was a different principal. And she was like, yeah, come on. It's like a whole different climate now. She's like, come on, come see your locker. I got to see my old classrooms and the old hallways. And I was walking with open arms. So I was like, oh, I guess all's forgiven. How did that make you feel when that principal said that on the phone? Uh, ashamed. I did. I felt ashamed. Man, I wonder how they felt about saying that. I don't know. I felt really ashamed, though. I was like, wow, they don't want me around their high school children because I was in Playboy. It's like, I, it's not like I'm a porn star or something. Yeah. It's like, it's a picture. I posed for Playboy. Which, I mean, now, back then when I did it, they weren't allowed to show anything. They airbrushed out any definition of any private bits. Mm-hmm. Um, now, or I don't know, recently, I haven't seen it recently, but after that, they would show detail of your important bits. Mm-hmm. So but not when I did it. Boobs. Mm-hmm. Boobs and hair. Do you ever feel, do you ever have this challenge because you're so charming and affable and also very pretty. When you meet men in the industry, do you ever have that weird dynamic that's difficult to navigate? That's kind of like, are they trying to date me or are they taking me seriously right now? Yeah. What's that experience been like for you and how do you I'll, handle that? It happens all the time. Me too. I mean, literally all the time. I'll get a, I'll get a, a meeting with a producer. And I'll be like, oh, yay, this producer's done this and this and this. This is a great contact for me. He wants to have lunch with me and discuss some stuff. So I'm like, this is awesome. So I'll go and have lunch. This happened recently. Mm-hmm. I'll go, ha- I go, I went and had lunch. And they're not talking about business. Mm-hmm. And like when I go up to get, you know, to, to, to get my drink or whatever it is, I feel a hand on my lower back. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I... Excuse me, could you not, yeah. And so I move away a little bit. I'm like, what, what's your hand doing on my lower back? And, and then where he's just talking about small talky stuff and about me and about dating. And I'm like, but anyway, getting back to the projects that you have going on, I'd really like to be involved. Yeah, 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 we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. And we never get to it. And then he's texting me and I'm like, wow, really? So that's what this lunch was. Yeah. And, and I can't, you, as a woman, you know when a man is looking at your eyes when you're talking versus glancing up and down. Mm-hmm. And he's glancing up and down. And I'm like, this isn't a professional. This, yeah. is, this is a professional man treating me in an unprofessional way. How do you handle that? How do you, is there a way to divert the attention back to your accomplishments rather than your I kept body? trying. I kept trying. And he just, we'll get, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Calm down. Calm, relax. That's relax. so, that would have made me so <laughs> mad if someone told me to calm down and relax. Relax, relax. We'll get to it. We'll get to oh it. Oh my God. Oh yeah. Did you just want to explode? Oh my gosh. I, so I instantly mad. knew. I instantly knew what the whole lunch was. I was like, oh, okay. That's what this lunch is. And you know what? When I met with him at the time, I had a boyfriend and he knew that. And I went, I, I drove away from that meeting and I called my boyfriend and I was like, so this is how the meeting went down. Yeah. How do you handle it afterwards? I, I mean, contacting you. 
I only would talk about professional stuff mm-hmm. and, and about projects and stuff. And the, the little miscellaneous texts that I would get, I wouldn't, I would respond bringing the subject back to the projects. So anyway, <laughs> about that project you said you had going on in March, I'd really like to be considered for it and I can send you my material or whatever. And then I, he wouldn't respond. So I'm like, okay. All right. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, it's like a different version of the casting couch. Yeah. Like, even if they want to date you, it still kind of feels Uh like that. Uh I've had people do the exact same thing to me. And it's really strange because I never really know how to handle it other than create some really strong boundaries. But then even if you do that, sometimes it's kind of you don't want to come off as difficult or or No, because the thing is, this person actually can get you work. Exactly. Yeah. So you don't want to you know, burn that bridge. But at the same time, you don't want to mislead them either because clearly they're coming on to you. Yeah. They're interested in something more than you being in their project. Yeah. It's weird. I feel like there's like little like rivers, like little stream, break off streams of the Me Too movement, you know, that's like, it's not that I'm being assaulted per Mm -hmm. se, but Mm -hmm. it's that I want to be seen as a serious professional. I want you to listen to me and I want you to recognize me for my talents and not for anything else. I'm (laughs) sitting there and I'm feeling like in this, this lunch meeting, I'm feeling like, you know what? If I flirted back or even went out with him, I would probably get the the project. I'd get, I would get the offer. And I'm like, you know what? He's going to meet with somebody else that will do that and they'll get the part. Mm -hmm. But I'm not like that. So I don't get hired. Oh my gosh. So I'm like, I wonder how many things I've missed out on because I don't play the game. Do you think people have to play the game to be successful? I don't think they have to, but I think that it's, it is alive and well. (laughs) It is alive and well in our industry. Yeah. Put it that way. Absolutely. Alive and well. How do we get past this? Um, I, I guess start producing our own shit. Oh my God, yes! <laughs> Women producing stuff. There's no <laughs> casting couch going on. That's <laughs> like, amazing. We got to produce our own stuff. Yeah, I was just about to say. Because then we're not, we're <laughs> in the power position. When the men are in the power position, and I'm not saying this as a blanket statement, not all men in the industry that are in producer positions are like this, but it's it does go on. Let's just mm-hmm. be honest, it goes on. And it's rampant. It's not rarity. Mm -hmm. So I feel like when women are in that position, you are looked at for your skills and your talents and your abilities. Right. You're not, they're not looking at your breasts or your waist size or, you know, how much you'll flirt with them. They're looking at you for the reason that you, they should be looking at you, your ability and your talent. I like that. So more women in positions Ergo, of power. Ergo, we need to start producing our own stuff. Right. <laughs> yes. That's good. So, I feel like yeah. that's a really empowering way to look at it, actually, yeah. instead of like, well, what can we do to change? It's like, it's not really our job to change, you know, men. Or, no, and we won't be able to. Yeah. It, nothing we can do is necessarily mm-hmm. changing that culture overnight. Mm-hmm. Hopefully it changes as culture changes, but it's uh, it's definitely a challenge, but I like the idea of taking the power back in terms of yeah. creating more opportunities yeah. for women, women bringing up women, you know. Totally. Going I'm totally to down for that. more female producers. I'm so, so <laughs> down for women supporting women. I'm so down for I'm that I'm so too. tired of women tearing down each other. Yeah, I'm why tired do we do that? Is I don't it a competition know. thing? It's jealousy. I mean, they're, we're competing for men, I guess. 
and we tear each other down. There's a lot of jealousy, and that that translates into meanness. And so, I I personally am one that's a girl's girl, and I support other women. And when another woman I find is like looking especially gorgeous, I'm going to tell her, "Wow, you look hot." Or, oh my gosh, those pants, your ass looks amazing. You know, I'm not going to say, you know, what are you wearing those pants for? What are you trying to prove? Or like, you know, it's just, they're so catty. I'm so tired of it. Right. If somebody looks great, tell them they're great. Mm -hmm. You know, if somebody's, if another woman has success or she like finds the love of her life, stop being jealous. Be happy for her. Mm -hmm. Genuinely happy for her. Yeah. You know, when, that's the kind of stuff that when you have that kind of grateful attitude and acceptance and supporting each other, that's when good things happen for you. Not, yeah. You can't be jealous. I hate it when, yeah, I hate it when I feel like we see someone that's like living their life and, you know, maybe they're loud or maybe they're, you know, a little bit excessive in one category is deemed by normal society or whatever. Maybe they want to put a piece of pizza on their ass. Yeah. And then we're, they're having fun. They're living their life. And you just want to, people want to say something about it to make it negative or to yeah. make it something that it's not. There's always going to be people like that. Right. And I think it's unnecessary. I think it we is. should just support people that I are agree. having fun living their life, feeling good. Yeah. Let's all just feel good together. Yeah. There's no limit to how many people can feel good about themselves. That's right. <laughs> Not hurting anybody. You're just feeling good about yourself and living your life, doing your thing, being you. Exactly. Doing you. Man, if you could go back in time and tell young, like, let's say you're like 20 years old. Okay. 20 year old Donna, anything. What would you want her to know with everything you've been through now? <laughs> don't don't date rock stars. <laughs> I feel like you needed to give me 20-year-old Aaron that advice too. Oh my god. Don't, just don't. <laughs> That's awesome. Um Donna, you are a hot pizza ass. <laughs> Thank you. I you are love doing. you. Thank you so you much. Thanks for, for having me on. This is a lot of fun. Yeah. Wait, what is okay, I gotta ask you though, because you're you're vegan. Yeah. What do you what kind of pizza do you get? What kind of cheese? Is there a good melting cheese? There is. What there's is it? One, there's <laughs> one by Violife. Okay. Um, that's amazing. I, I don't like the the Dea. Okay. It, it's a little uh, it doesn't melt right. Well, it melts good, but it tastes, it's like, um, it's gluey in your mm -hmm. mouth. It's like you have a mouthful of Elmer's glue. <laughs> BioLife is so exactly the same as cheese. Okay. It's just, you wouldn't know the okay. difference. It's so good. All right. Good to know. I yeah. got to check this out. I yeah. always tell people I would go, I'm vegetarian, but I would go vegan if I found a good vegan cheese. Oh, they make it. They're doing good now. They're doing better. She's <laughs> okay. used to suck and I'm a cheese lover, but um, yeah, now it's better. Good. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me on. <laughs> My pleasure. Thank you guys so much for tuning into the first episode of Hot Pizza Ass. I want to thank everyone that has joined me on Patreon. You guys are amazing. Lowell Reynolds, Stephen Fate, Zach Harper, Lex Marie, Adam Blake, and also Shayna Weber Band and Alex Band. You guys are amazing. Oh, and I can't forget Skittles. Thank you guys. You are the people that are making this possible. If you are interested in joining on Patreon and you believe in this message, check us out at Patreon patreon.com slash Aaron Darling. And I have to give a shout out to Zach Darling, who composed this awesome song we're listening to right now. 
Thanks once again. I can't wait to release more episodes. They will be coming every single week. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. 